Welcome, welcome, welcome to Bard's Backlog, episode number seven. My name is Josh Gallegos, and this week I am the only host. Jared is not joining me this week because of some life adjustments. Um, Our schedules did not quite align as needed, so I'm flying solo for this episode, but that's okay. Because I'm alone, I've decided we're just going to do a unique episode and kind of take a different approach to this format, um, as well as take some time for some important announcements that I really wanted to get to around this time in the year anyway, so I guess we'll see how this goes. Just me here flying solo for this week. Um, I guess I could say that you could submit questions to us via Twitter. I'm at Video Game Bard. Jared is at Jared T. Ben for the default segment. And for the game that we typically cover, though this week I'm going to do a little bit of a different thing here for the video game section. And then, of course, the spiel. This is Bard's Backlog, the ever-growing catalog of video games inducted into the Hall of Games. We, Jared and I normally, uh, me today, are the gatekeepers and subsequent executioners of any video game candidate. Though does, does that, that does not include today's highlights. So, despite our deepest wishes, last week was not the final episode to occur during the COVID-19 lockdowns. Things are still going on throughout the country, things are still going on throughout the world, and everyone is still getting into a titillating panic as we speak. Thankfully, here in Colorado, which is where I'm based, things are starting to tentatively open back up. Of course, the um, essential businesses have been running, and there are more and more businesses being opened up throughout the month, but we still have not gotten to a place where we have reached the gatherings of 50 rule that other states have been getting to. I really am hoping that we can get to that within the next month or so. Um, we also have an interesting rule going on here where we have to be wearing masks, and um, I think LA is similar where they're just doing it anytime you're out. Ours is a little bit less restrictive. We can do it. Um, on, or we only have to be wearing masks in retail areas, and then um, like public transportation spots and a few other places as well. But we don't have to be wearing them every time we're outside. So if we're just being our own person, just walking around and doing something recreationally, or if we're going somewhere where there aren't groups of people, we don't have to necessarily be wearing masks. But um, yeah. This pandemic is definitely here to stay for a little bit longer, and it'll surely stay with us through the summer, probably in some major and minor ways, at least depending on where you live. But that will not stop Bard's backlog from reaching the ears of its victims, or as most people would call themselves, probably fans. So... With that in mind, let's go ahead and take care of some housekeeping and really just talk through a few specific things about the podcast as well as the video games barred suite of products that um, we've wanted to get off the ground this year. Right now, Bard's Backlog remains a small podcast without a very big audience. Um, I'm not necessarily going to talk numbers right now, but I am able to see the metrics as to who's listening and where and Um, that sort of thing and how many people listen throughout the entire episode and whatnot. And I will say we don't have the biggest audience in the world. My last podcast, a default podcast had a bit of a bigger one. We are reaching a few more people. So it's definitely not at the size that I would have liked it to be at, 
But to be honest, that can mostly be attributed to my own lack of advertising. I haven't exactly been shouting the podcast mission statement from rooftops. To be honest, I started the podcast at the beginning of the year after a pretty big medical problem um, came into my life. And that has actually persisted through quarter one of 2020. And has caused me to pull back on a lot of things that I intended for not only Bard's Backlog, but for the video game Bard suite of products in general. I wanted to get started a news coverage podcast. I had all kinds of ideas for blog posts and things that I had um, started last year that I wanted to continue into this year. A lot of um, informative and educational pieces. And I was going to be doing a lot of other video game related material. I even had an idea for interviews and was able to record a few interviews, which is actually when I decided to get Jared involved in the podcast after an interview with him. Um, And we were going to use that as a vehicle to get more people involved and interested in organic ways and to boost our audience. However, life had different plans. You know, 2020 has been a year of surprises and all of the things that I was planning on doing with my suite of products, but even with Bard's backlog, all of that changed with my diagnosis, um, with the medical issues that came up, and the amount of time that I would have been spending working on all this stuff has been instead focused on rebuilding my own mental health and getting some semblance of my normal life back. And that's kind of just where we've been, at least as far as I'm concerned, uh, personally as one of the hosts this year. The focus for the start of the year has just been to make sure that I can even produce a product, uh, even just one product. And that's because of everything else going on, I really wanted to make sure I could focus and do something. And that's been Bard's Backlog. And we've allowed the others to basically just hold on standby while I was sorting out the rest of my life. And you know, despite some setbacks, despite um, my medical situation, and I'm still not at 100%, I'm still recovering and um, dealing with different things from day to day. In fact, I just to be a little bit more personal and, and forthcoming about stuff that's going on, I've been fighting a lot of anxiety in ways I never have before in my life. And I think part of that is tied to the stuff that's been going on societally. Um, But it's just something that I've never had to really combat before. And I've really had a difficult time with anxiety these last few weeks, especially this last month has been um, definitely more difficult than a few of the months, months earlier in the year. But despite all that, despite everything that's been going on, um, I and my amazing co-host Jared, who I could write an entire tribute letter to for being so helpful this year and really just coming in clutch and being there for me every single time that we got together to help me, except for this time. (laughs) Although, to be fair, we were planning on trying to fit this in at a different um, point in our schedules and it ended up being me who pulled the plug on it. So I can't really attribute that to Jared. But anyway, he's helped me able, uh, been able to stay on top of producing a steady stream of episodes and putting together a podcast that's full of insightful game analysis, which is something I've always wanted to do and dreamed of. And so I'm proud of what we've been able to put together despite not having all the time in the world, despite not being 100% the way I would want to be, um, or even having the level of, I guess you could say, product output 
uh, as far as advertising and getting in front of other audiences and getting other people to listen in and going on interviews, um, sprees and everything, all those things that I initially wanted, despite the fact that we haven't been able to do all that, I'm proud of what we've been able to do. And though our audience is small, I do just want to say for those that are in the audience, a huge thanks to you as an individual who has tuned in and showed support during what has been honestly a difficult time for me and what has turned into a pretty crazy time for our society in general, (laughs) thanks to the pandemic. Um, So we're definitely in an interesting spot and, and I've been happy with what we've been able to put together thus far. And I really am proud of the episodes we've done covering games like Luigi's Mansion, covering like last week we did um, Axiom Verge, which is a super unique game that we could have added to our hall of games. Um, And all that to say, this isn't it. Like I'm not just stopping here with what we have. The goal has always been to grow. And as we transition into the summer, I want to say I am planning on working my little tushy off and starting to realize some of the other goals I had planned for my moniker, the video game bard. So consider these upcoming announcements, our official announcements for the rest of 2020. First, I just want to say my main focus and priority will be on keeping Bard's backlog running. I'm happy to say Jared has agreed to stay on as my co-host, even though I make him play video games he's never played before or had any interest in beforehand, and even though he's a total casual. Uh, (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, But funnily enough, the hardest part of this job thus far and being able to put together this product every time that we do has been pushing through a game so we can talk about it in depth and dedicating the time needed to do so around everything else that life entails for both of us, both Jared and I separately. We're both very busy with normal life. This isn't our regular daytime job that we're doing and we have other commitments and things outside of this that take away time from what we would normally maybe even um, in an optimal world be able to put into this. And our goal is to produce an episode every two weeks, bi-weekly. Um, and that means that we only have that amount of time, those bi-week, that two weeks, to uh, finish a dang video game, which can be more complicated than you might think, especially if you really want to spend your precious gaming hours, like me, playing another game like Assassin's Creed instead. <laughs> uh, and I often do that. I mean, I have my whole section of the games I'm playing just so that I can talk about the other games that are distracting me from the main game that we're supposed to be covering. Um, Still, I believe in the Bard's Backlog product, and I love its topical focus, the fact that we're able to go into the pick of the week every week and talk about the um, ins and outs of the game, the nuances of it, and maybe why it should or should not be considered for the Hall of Games. Um, I just really love that topical focus that we've been able to bring to the show. So, as... First announcement, we are committed to keeping it rolling as the Video Game Bard product backbone, as it has been for the perfect uh, first pillar of Q1 2020 for us here. Uh, So that'll be still running uh, as far as I'm concerned. And that starts with even doing episodes like this, 
where I do have to come in and fill in maybe in a gap in maybe what else is going on. And we are not going to be covering Okami HD like I said we were going to last time. That'll be in the next episode. Um, instead, I have a little bit of a different feel for this episode since it is just me. Uh, but we'll get into that in just a little bit. My second announcement that I wanted to talk to or talk through is that I am going to start advertising Bard's backlog via social media. I haven't utilized, and I talked about this a brief moment ago, I haven't utilized actual advertising techniques at all with the podcast up to this point. We've literally just been putting it out every week and then getting the small numbers from, I put a couple posts out on social media just on their own pages, and I'm not really doing anything outside of that to boost the audience. Um, So I'm hoping that by actually using some of the techniques that I've learned in the past and maybe trying to learn some more to begin some advertising for the product, um, we'll see a boost in audience numbers with this change going into the summer. Now, if you're already a listener, thank you. If you've enjoyed what we've put together thus far, I guess my only request would be, because we're not asking for money or anything like that, I just request that you would tell a friend, maybe someone else who you consider a gamer or who would potentially be interested in the uh, topics that we cover, just tell them about the podcast. That's a way to do some outreach that could um, get some boots on the ground in ways that Jared and I could never reach people. Uh, We'd love to be able to reach hundreds more people than we are right now and spread the message that overlooked video games, games that maybe aren't in the number one top searched or aren't going to be on the front of YouTube or on the front of Twitch, those overlooked video games and their digital world that they represent that may or may not deserve a spotlight. And we go through and we take these games and we talk through them. And we want to spread that message. Hopefully, you as a listener uh, will get a good recommendation along the way to boost your gaming library. And that's kind of the whole point of the podcast. We want to highlight video games. They're, They're cool things and they're these great creations and combinations of art and creativity and human ingenuity and, of course, computer systems that really just form into these crazy little products that we want to be able to spread the word about. So actually putting some advertising into the role of things and a little bit more effort behind that part of the business should help Bard's backlog grow into the renowned hall of games I've envisioned it to be. I always had a specific concept in mind for this and a specific, um, I guess, end goal in mind of letting this be a platform for people who could, and a, and a treasure trove of past podcasts that they could go back and say, oh, what did they say about this video game? And we are able to kind of get to it, or they're able to kind of go and check that episode out and whatnot. Um, so we're going to continue to improve the conversation. So it's worthy of advertising, but that is my second announcement that we have for today. Third, and this is totally separate from Bard's backlog, just something that is in tune with the video game Bard suite of products. I am going to start producing a new kind of product for people who are interested. Original stories. Now stick with me here. I'm a writer. I have put a lot of time this last year or so, last couple years, into writing for the games industry in a news format 
in an informational format in a like top 10 lists blog post format. And so I was pursuing that particular avenue and I was even able to make a few bucks going in that direction. But I decided that I wanted to try to do something a little different. I wanted to try to tackle original stories. So these will replace the blog posts I was producing last year, which I, like I said, were geared toward like gaming websites and newsreaders. To be honest, one of the reasons I even took on the title of Video Game Bard in the first place was because I believed in my own ability to write, like the grand bard of old, Shakespeare, who was a major inspiration for me. I didn't always know what kind of writer I wanted to be, and blog posting was the way I decided to explore my writing before, and I learned a lot from the informative format of blog posts, but... I'm deciding now to transition away from it and pursue something I think I'll be a little bit more passionate about. I'm trying my hand at fiction instead, which is a very different beast of writing, (laughs) but one I'm excited to attempt. I've always wanted to, and this is a dream of mine, write a video game. No small task. Uh, But writing original story material, which I'll be doing in the next few weeks, will be my way of exploring this particular skill set of mine. Now, I'm hesitant to give any more details about the specific story or its format. I will say that I'm exploring the options around the idea of vampires right now. So that's a little bit of a taste for you there. Um, But I will say that everything I write going forward in this original story content will have video games as the main inspiration and will be written with adaptation to a video game in mind, specifically like, uh, I don't know, like um, a specific genre even that I might like particularly tackle a story with and think, okay, how would this work as a video game? Of course, I could never guarantee that actually happening. I don't have the chops to build a video game on my own, at least not yet. So for now, they will just be written stories. Now, I do have some solid ideas formed already that I hope to see to fruition in the coming months, but my goal for this type of writing is to, as opposed to the blog posts that I was writing before, um, which were more focused on information delivery and educating the reader, my goal is to be inventive, to be enthralling, and of course, original. Now, honestly, I'm doing this a little bit more for myself than anyone else. It's even a way to kind of be a little more therapeutic with everything else that's been going on with my life. Um, And I want to write the kind of content that I would enjoy. And hopefully that along the way, anyone who does read the stories will enjoy them as well. Of course, that's the goal. The stories will serve as a nice complimentary production to the conversational format of the Bard's Backlog podcast, serving as the second pillar for our video game bard suite of products going into Q2 2020. And you'll see what all of that looks like in the coming weeks as that starts to get put out. Finally, my last announcement, and then I'll shut up about all this stuff. I want to outline just a quick vision for the rest of the year. Now, I wasn't sure if I wanted to include this in the announcements for this week, but... I'm a big believer in speaking reality into existence. If you can set a specific goal, you're already one step closer to achieving that goal. That said, the full suite of video game bard products was always meant to be more than one podcast and even the occasional written piece. 
Q1 and Q2 of 2020 has been Bard's backlog. That's been my focus, and we've been able to do that incredibly well, in my opinion. Q2 and Q3 2020 will be original stories, which I'm excited to get off the ground, which I just talked through. Q3 and Q4 2020, if all goes well and no other surprises come up, medical or otherwise, and like I said, 2020 has totally been the year of surprises, so who knows? Um, But if all goes well, they will be all about video game industry commentary, specifically in the form of the Video Game Bard Report. The Video Game Bard Report will be another podcast, this one in a weekly format instead of bi-weekly like Bard's Backlog, and will cover the industry at large, breaking down major news stories and other important pieces of information. The report will also contain my idea for interviews, which I had said I wanted to get off the ground earlier this year, which will be used to highlight personalities in the gaming world. So, a new podcast will hopefully be in the works that will have a decidedly different feel from Bard's Backlog. My hope, and I say hope to stress that this is all still just in the planning phase, is also that by the time I'm able to launch the report podcast, I'll also be able to be in a position to open up a Patreon. Though I am committed to holding off on a Patreon until I am able to completely outfit it with all the bells and whistles necessary to run a true, fully-fledged community. And that's always been my ambition. My focus for this business of mine that I wanted to build from the ground up would be to have it Patreon run. And I even started a Patreon at the beginning of 2019, built it out, had a bunch of tears for it and everything, but it wasn't quite what I needed it to be for the time. And I didn't even know 100% like how I was going to incorporate that into the podcast I was doing at the time, the default podcast, and my own writing. It was definitely still in the concept phase. But I've got a better idea for it now, and I'm hoping that that will come into play at the end of the year. Now, if we can reach this goal, this goal, I'll consider 2020 a huge success. From there, it's a matter of honing the products and delivering on the promises to keep on my full suite of products going, as well as the original, uh, as was the original plan at the beginning of the year. This final announcement, like I said, is tentative as literally anything can happen that may cause things to change course. But I do want to get it out there. I want to say these are my goals. Um, Put an official label on it, you know. And in so doing, speak my vision of reality into existence. Now, it's all up in the air, but I think providing a roadmap for you guys will show you that we are planning to go places that I think are exciting and worthy of the time and effort that they may take to get to. And... That's all, at least for the announcements. Now, I know that was a lot more than normal. I just spent 23 minutes talking through this stuff on my own. Usually, Jared's here, and it goes way faster having two people, so I couldn't imagine what it would be like if he was here, too. Um, But I thought, since I'm alone this week, it would be the perfect time to give these updates to the listeners and to show off that, yes, there is more to come. I've alluded to a lot of this stuff in the past, a lot of these ideas, but the wheel of time continues to turn, so I figured it was now or never. But let's not get stuck in the cesspool of housekeeping. Let's talk some video games, shall we? Now, 
this isn't an average Bard's Backlog episode, so we will not have the games we play in segment, or the default segment, or even the specific pick of the week. Instead, I wanted to just close out this shorter episode with a look at a series that is near and dear to me, and also a huge influence on the video game industry, and that is the Assassin's Creed franchise. Consider this a tribute to Assassin's Creed. I've been on an Assassin's Creed kick thanks to Origins, one of the games that I've been playing in between the picks of the week for this podcast. Assassin's Creed Origins is a huge game, so it's been sucking up a lot of my hours. But what I've been playing, I've been enjoying every second of, and it has reminded me how special this series is and what an accomplishment it has been, not only as a video game tribute to historical events, which of course are its bread and butter, but as an influential player in the open world genre in general and the further games industry. And with the next game in the series coming to next-gen consoles this year, what better time than the present to pay it tribute? So to be honest, I, I wasn't sure 100% how to tackle this, but I really want to just explain to you how special the Assassin's Creed franchise is. And to do that, we really have to look at the franchise as a whole. Now, there are a total of... Oh, goodness. 11 games in the Assassin's Creed franchise right now with the 12th coming out. Um, And those have been spread out over the last couple decades. The very first game in the series, Assassin's Creed, came out in 2007. And was, at the time, honestly surprising, but wasn't doing anything incredibly crazy. It was a simple open world game that captured the industry's attention because of its fully realized historical locales and intriguing assassins versus Templar plot. And what was really cool at the time was the way that they used basically modern times and modern technology, the idea of genetics, of DNA, genetic memory, using the animus, as it's called in the game, um, this machine, to go back in time and relive your ancestors' memories. That was a really cool and unique concept. And then they took it and tied it into the idea of an assassin. And they did it in so many awesome, honestly dope ways. In the first game, you play as Altair, who was this stoic personality and um, a quiet assassin who was willing to dive off of rooftops into piles of hay, something that became a very common trope throughout the um, series. Um, And it was set during the Middle Ages in the Middle East, a very unique setting for a video game. And it was this combination of you were in modern times going back to the Middle East and then back and forth playing as the main character Desmond in the modern time and then going to his ancestor Altair. And it was this really cool juxtaposition between the two different times and you were able to explore the Middle East in a very true-to-life way, one that was true to history. And the idea of Templars and Assassins... um, 
is carried throughout the series, obviously, but it was one that hadn't ever been explored in any way in a video game before, hardly even explored in books, and so it was something that really just lent the whole series a very unique feel. Now, the game, honestly, outside of <clears throat> these appeals, wasn't really known for its combat. It wasn't really known for its gameplay, really. In fact, a lot of the gameplay is pretty slow in the first game, and that's to be expected. It was the very first game, but it's definitely not held up over the course of the time. The game that really put Assassin's Creed on the map, and you can mark my words on this one, was Assassin's Creed 2, which came out in 2009. Now, this game took all the concepts from the first game and seemingly perfected them, offering a much more in-depth open world with tons of detail and stuff to do. It took place in a time jump, which really showed off the appeal of being able to use genetic memory because it was like, whoa, not only can you be in the Middle East and not only does this franchise have to be stuck in a specific area, it can be placed anywhere in history and still be awesome and still have assassins going through killing people and doing all kinds of interesting assassiny things. And it was just this cool use of the idea of the Animus machine to explore historical time periods. Um, and the reason Assassin's Creed 2 became such a, while renowned and, and really one of the most beloved entries in the franchise, a lot of it has to do with the story. Um, the protagonist, Ezio Auditore, ended up going on to lead the next two games in the series, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood and Assassin's Creed Revelations. Um, and he had this really interesting spunk to him, a really cool personality that um, uh, tied to the tragedy that came into his life still didn't go away and um, really made for some awesome moments outside of just the gameplay. But on top of that, they really improved the gameplay going into Assassin's Creed 2, made the combat a lot more interesting, um, even made climbing things a lot more fun, just stuff like that to really improve the series. And so that's where it really started to take off. And like I said, after that, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood came out. That was in 2010. You played as Ezio again. This time specifically, he took on the city of Rome. And so they really built the, the team built this really awesome recreation of Rome. And you could go into the Colosseum and all these different areas like that. It introduced the idea of a Brotherhood of Assassins, which could be used in game for various tasks. And this game also gave birth to the multiplayer mode, which my brother, my brother Gabe, was hugely involved with and in love in love with at the time. He got so crazy good at it. <laughs> I just remember him being to the point where he was like at least <clears throat> top 2000 in the world. Like honestly, he had to be because he was recognizing people and started to pick up on other players in the game. And it was at the time, like at this point in history, um, in the video game industry history, there was other multiplayer games that were way bigger, obviously, Call of Duty. The Halo series was pretty big at this time. So not everyone was playing this new fangled Assassin's Creed Brotherhood multiplayer. And this was also at the time where lots of franchises were trying a multiplayer out and just trying to implement them into their own series. But Assassin's Creed did a really interesting take on it and one that like I said my my brother if no one else <laughs> got super interested in and it was really cool to just watch and kind of see how the assassin tropes the stealth tropes kind of played out in a multiplayer setting 
After Brotherhood, the next game in the series was Revelations. Again, another Ezio game, this time with him at the end of his life, him being much older. He had a really cool beard. And there wasn't a whole lot that was added to the game. This one took place in the Ottoman Empire, and they did a lot of tying back, actually, to the original Assassin's Creed, of course, because the game set in the Middle East again. Um, and there was ties back to Altair and whatnot that were going on in the series. And this was the end of Ezio's story. And really where the Assassin's Creed story, I think, reached its pinnacle. Now, I never finished this game in particular. I really do want to go back, and actually my plan is this year to play through a lot of the Assassin's Creed games that I haven't played before in um, just preparing for Valhalla that's coming out this year. But it was a really good tie to the end of the Ezio story, despite the fact that it wasn't necessarily adding a whole lot of new stuff. So that was Revelations. So if you're keeping track, that's four games thus far. Which is kind of weird because the next game that came out was Assassin's Creed 3. And oh my goodness, I could not tell you how excited I was for Assassin's Creed 3 when it was first announced. Because of its setting. Now I'm a history nerd. So I have a history degree and everything. So it's not like... Um, I can't take that into account when I'm thinking through these things because that's definitely a big reason why this series is such a has such a high appeal to me and why I'm even wanting to do a tribute to it. Um, but this game's setting was the American Revolutionary War, the colonial era, and you were playing in the United States, and it was so totally different from the idea of Renaissance Italy that I thought it was going to be amazing, specifically for its setting and time jump. Um, and this game did a lot more too. It introduced a more sprawling wilderness and the, um, climbing mechanics definitely changed because of that. You're able to climb trees and whatnot. Um, they added a little bit of ship combat combat and there was a lot of interesting era based weapons that were going on. And of course you played alongside a lot of the historical figures of the time, including George Washington. Um, but from the game itself, and this was actually one of the ones I never ended up playing because it ended up having a bit of a backlash when it came out. It ended up being a very disappointing entry with a kind of annoying story from what I was told. So I was very disappointed and really didn't want to touch the game because of how much fun I had had with Assassin's Creed 2 and Brotherhood. I didn't want to besmirch that with this game, Assassin's Creed 3. So I kind of avoided it (laughs) when it first came out but it's actually the next one I'm going to be playing so I'll be reporting back on that in Bard's backlog at least in the games we playing segment going forward um after that came Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag which kicked off its own little era of protagonists with Edward Kenway this one took place in the Caribbean Sea it was a few decades before Assassin's Creed 3 so it was still the colonial era And it brought to fruition, this is what it's known for, it's naval combat. Of course, the game, in the game, you you become a pirate. Not only are you an assassin, but you're a pirate assassin, which is amazing. Um, And they took this idea and built amazing ship combat into the game. This is one of the most beloved franchise entries for a reason, and it's mostly because of the sprawling world filled with the sea and the way that you're able to traverse it with this awesome ship combat. Um, And at this point in the story, too, they kind of ditched a lot of the animus stuff that was going on with Desmond, um, and they kind of just got rid of a lot of the modern stuff in favor of the more historical narrative. 
Um, so that was Assassin's Creed 4. That came out at the turn of the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One um, launches. So it was on both systems at the time. And it was followed up the next year by two games, Assassin's Creed Unity and Assassin's Creed Rogue. Rogue is not necessarily a main game in the franchise, and I really don't want to take a whole lot of time to talk about it. It let you play as a Templar, which is kind of cool, but it didn't even come out on the modern consoles. At least at first, it only came out on the PS3 and the Xbox 360, which is insane. Um, It was another naval game set in the Arctic as opposed to the Caribbean, so it was kind of cool, but I never touched it. And I think I'll probably never play this one. (laughs) Uh, But at the same time that Rogue was released, Unity was released as well. And this one has a really cool setting. It was taking place back in Europe during the French Revolution in Paris. Um, And it introduced co-op multiplayer to the game, which was really cool at the time. You play as protagonist Arno Dorian as he makes his way through the revolution. And they began to really build in a lot of RPG elements, like gear upgrades and um, playstyle upgrades that were not in the series before. And these are kind of the seeds for what we'll get to with Origins a little bit later, the complete recreation of the heart of the series. Um, but Unity, unfortunately, when it came out, was known for its bugginess. I remember at the time all kinds of people showing off clips of how crazy the series uh, like clipping was going on, like going through buildings, people getting stuck in all these crazy glitches, having weird face stuff go on. And so it kind of got a bad rap for that and really didn't get a lot of the same joy and attention that Assassin's Creed 4 got. Um, And that all led to basically a period of time where people were getting kind of tired and fed up with Assassin's Creed, which is kind of funny because that's around the time in 2015 that Assassin's Creed Syndicate came out. And this one is my personal favorite. Now, this is one of, by far, the best games in the franchise. It really just takes a lot of the ideas of the other games and perfects them. This was before the major reboot in Origins, so it was the culmination of the Assassin's Creed formula up to this point. There wasn't multiplayer. It was completely focused on two sets of characters, protagonists, Jacob and Evie Fry. They were twins, which was the first game where you got to play as two separate characters at the same time, which was really cool. And the setting, man, the setting was fantastic. This game takes place in Victoria-era London, and it's this really neat, bustling like metropolis that's um, fully realized in a video game that you can explore. There's wagons and people with guns everywhere and all sorts of like factory industry stuff going on. It was the turn of the century, so things were really beginning to um, kick off in that way, and so this game really just captures a lot of those ideas and things in a way that few of the other Assassin's Creed games did so perfectly. And its inclusion of historical figures like Karl's Marx and Charles Dickens was well implemented. And like I said, <clears throat> Syndicate was the last game before the major reboot. And unfortunately, I don't think got as much attention as it probably should have because of the fact that people at this time were just kind of burned out on the series. So because of that, because people were burned out, um, Ubisoft took a step back, gave a couple years off, and then they decided to reboot the whole franchise with Assassin's Creed Origins. Assassin's Creed Origins 
took the series way back in history because at this point we had been moving forward moving forward going into more modern era more modern era being able to add a lot more cool weapons and things like that in each different era um and origin said okay we're not about just pushing the envelope forward we are about history and exploring the breadth of history and so they decided to go all the way back to Ptolemaic Egypt, which was at the turn of the BC AD um, part of history. And after those couple years off, they came back with a whole new feel for the franchise that was meant to combat the quote unquote stale feeling that the series was getting in its age. So they reworked the combat, which the combat in this game is fantastic. And that's one of the biggest things I've really fallen in love with as I've been playing through it myself. Um, they really focused on RPG elements and adding in a lot of gear and a lot of customization options, adding in a ton of new ways to um, like build weapons and things like that. And they went further back in time than they had up to this point. It was a huge world. They took this like section of Egypt right off of the Nile and expanded it into this fully realized desert that was combined with the Greco-Egyptian class of civilization growing near the Nile at the time. And it is by far one of, <clears throat> by far the biggest game in the series, uh, like bar none, outside of the next game that came out, but especially at the time. So it like definitely made people take a step back because before they were able to play through the games in maybe 20 hours or so, this game takes way longer than that and if you want to see everything it's going to take you upwards of 100 hours to do everything and it's because of how big the map is but they didn't do it without adding in the detail that was necessary so it doesn't feel empty every part of it feels vibrant and interesting and unique and it's the game I'm playing through right now I've been sinking a ton of hours into and I am just enjoying every second of it with that said the last game that came out in the series in 2018 was Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and I will be playing this game probably after Assassin's Creed 3. Um, it's the most recent game release. It's also the earliest set game as far as history is concerned. It took place during the Peloponnesian War in Greece, which is a few centuries before um, when Assassin's Creed Origins, the Egyptian game, took place. Um, and it features another ginormous open world, plenty of RPG elements, and a wide selection of weapons, and it marks the full return of naval combat that was made popular in Assassin's Creed 4. This one really got Assassin's Creed back onto the forefront of people's minds, um, and it really built into the series a sense of openness and player agency in a way that they hadn't before. You can play as two different characters that are have two separate stories going on, Alexios or Cassandra, and um, both of them are descendants of King Leonidas. Obviously, you have to tie it into King Leonidas somehow because Sparta's awesome. And they really just took the concept, the setting of Greece, and dialed it up to 11 and delivered a fantastic game. Um, and that's the last one that came out. So <clears throat> as we look forward, Valhalla, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, was just announced coming out this year. It's set in the Viking era, which is going to be really exciting. They're going to have a little bit more settlement building that was included in games like Assassin's Creed 2 and Brotherhood. And my, oh my, does it look scrumptious. And I am so excited to play the game at the end of the year. So my goal is really to make it through a few of these other games first and just be on an Assassin's Creed kick while we cover a lot of the other games for the pick of the week in this um, 
podcast, but I just wanted to take a moment and really talk through the series and what made each of the titles so special because this is a truly fantastic series that has helped shape the industry over the course of the last decade or so. I mean, since 2007, so even longer than that now. But this has definitely been a series that has reached the popular zeitgeist. I mean, they had a movie that came out, um, and the movie was fine. I really think they didn't fully capture like how cool the back and forth of history and modern times could be using the animus and whatnot. They, like, they, they do a little bit of that in the movie, but it really doesn't quite do it justice. And I just wanted to take a few minutes here, and I ended up talking way longer than I wanted to, to talk about this series because it's a really great franchise in general, and I really can't pick a specific area um, of it to start with. I mean, Assassin's Creed 2 is one of the best games in the series. Assassin's Creed 4 is also one of the amazing games. And Origins, honestly, I'm playing through now, is just as good as the other ones in the games, uh, the other se- games in the series. And uh, that's not even to talk about Syndicate, which was my favorite. So, just a fantastic franchise that I would highly recommend to everyone. And one that, if you've never played before, I mean, what are you doing, man? It's Assassin's Creed. It's one of the coolest, most fully realized products of our age, of our generation. Like, the fact that they have taken so much time to not only, like, do a ton of historical research and make sure that each of these games is chock full of minute details that would be true to that specific period of time, but then they also deliver fantastic gameplay and combat and just fun and tons of exploration, I mean, where can you go wrong? And they're AAA games to the max. Like, if you think of, like, the top, top top-tier video games in the video game industry, Assassin's Creed is right there, and there's no denying that. So with that said, um, that's it for me this week. I mean, I ended up feeling 45 minutes on my own, so I'm pretty proud of myself. But, um... We're going to be going back to the regular format next time with Jared, of course, rejoining me again in the next couple of weeks. So be looking out for that episode. Again, I'm covering Okami HD. And that's it for me. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week and that you stay safe during this crazy, crazy pandemic we're in. Have a good one.